Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hello, listeners. Hi, Shannon. Hi. So good to be on the podcast. It's an exciting episode. Mm. Uh, We are finally, well, I shouldn't say finally because it's been wonderful, Yeah. but we're wrapping up our series on sobriety and recovery. Mm -hmm. We started this series back in September. I think both of us thought it would be two, three, four weeks. It's been like three months. Totally, but it's been wonderful. And I've been loving the comments that we've been getting from people who have been keeping up with the series. I heard somebody the other day say that they've been re-listening to this mini series. Like they listened to it once and then went back and listened again. Wow. That's cool, right? Kind of mind blowing. I love that. I really love that well, too. That's, this is a, the point of this podcast. Like when we first started Misfit Stars, like we intended to get on these microphones once a week and talk about stuff that matters to us mm-hmm. with the hope that people who listen in might be inspired to think about stuff that matters to them, that relates to what matters to us. And just to kind of like start a conversation, you know? And Mm -hmm. so that this particular area of focus has been relevant to people is lovely. Like it's really, it's, it's, it feels like we're being of service and that's, that's the point of this whole thing. It's super cool. Yeah. I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. And it spawned a whole bunch of great conversations in our uh, Misfit Stars social network. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, I'm getting a bunch of messages kind of every week on uh, on Facebook, every so often a text. Mm. Uh, People are clearly like resonating with this discussion. Mm -hmm. And that means a lot. Um, Because frankly, if one person... If, if literally the entire point of this three-month-long exercise is that one person f- has some kind of awakening about unhealthy patterns in their lives that they, they figure out how to change, mm-hmm. that would make it all completely worthwhile to totally. me. Totally, know. Yeah. Well, and also, you and I, each of us, each of us walked a road prior to recovery that was painful and hard yeah. because of the ways in which we needed recovery. Yeah. And, you know... It's it's really nice to be able to share what what we've been through and what we've learned and how we've learned how to be better, like yeah. how to be healthier. Yeah. And and it feels like like that hard, uh, painful time in our lives. If that can be of use to other people, that feels like it's not a wasted part of my life. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. to be able to pass on, like, hey, here's how it was for me, and here's here are some things that helped me make it better. Um, if you'd like these ideas and tools, here you go. You know, like it's just, it feels like it's redemptive in a way. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, it absolutely, absolutely does. Yeah. And I hope that it would maybe save someone else some time too. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like I perpetually feel like I am 10 years younger than I actually am. Oh yeah. Like I feel like I'm 39 right now in terms of like the development and advancement I've made in my life because I feel like I lost the first 10 years of my adulthood to addiction, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, I feel the exact same way. Yeah. I, I, like, I think that's probably why we ex- like experience our lives in a, <laughs> like in a more youthful way. Like I really yeah. do feel like I'm not 47. Yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm more like 37 because my 20s also yeah. were just, it was a... It was a, it's like a black hole. Lost time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, if anything that we've learned can help someone shorten the lost time (laughs) in their life, I think that would be great. Wouldn't it? Imagine how powerful you and I would be if we had just hit the ground running, like unencumbered at age 21. But that said, you know, people come to a realization of when they want to start getting better, when they come to it. And like nothing, nothing that we're going to do is going to like really speed up that process for anyone else. Like we all come to... We all come to our uh, a, a reckoning with ourselves when we come to it. There's no, yeah. there's no forcing that or yeah. or speeding that up. But that said, yeah, 
Well, hopefully it's been of some help to someone. Yeah. You know? Uh, we would like to invite you, dear listener, to support our work. You may do so at misfitstars.com slash support. The reasons for doing it, I'm going to keep quick. If you want to hear a really good explanation about it, go back two episodes. We talked about it for like six minutes. <laughs> uh, and, you know, if you talk about it for six minutes once, that means for the next couple weeks, you just got to keep it short. But, you know, we pay forward the support that we get from our community. And I think that's these days the biggest reason for people to support what we're doing. It's a different business model that we've moved to, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, our community pays for part of our time now each month. Mm-hmm. And with that time, we support other artists. And mm-hmm. it's just the best and coolest thing. Uh, we had a record come out uh, about a week and a half ago by Trusty Sea Creatures. It's a full-length album that was funded in its entirety by our Misfit Stars community, by right. you, listeners, uh, the people who support our work on an ongoing basis. You know, We were able to gift this album, the making of this album, completely at no cost to the artist. And as part of it, I helped him build a Pro Tools studio. I taught him how to use it. I taught him mm-hmm. how to self-record. So he is now not just possessed of a new album out in the world, but also possessed of a bunch of seriously leveled up recording skills. Totally. That he is already using to do other stuff with other people. He's recording mm-hmm. collaborations with, with other artists and stuff like that in his home studio. You know it's what I so mean? so good. All of this was funded by Misfit Stars. And it's just like one example. Over Since the pandemic started, mm-hmm. I have been able to give 18 different artists uh, either free or dramatically discounted work, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Making albums, making EPs, uh, mixing stuff, mastering stuff, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. And a whole lot of mentoring in there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in addition to that, there's like 10 people with whom I am currently actively doing ongoing Mm -hmm. mentorships, in-depth, year-plus-long mentorships, you know, and adding people every so often. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's, it's so exciting to be able to do this, just to be able to, like, help spread this further out in the world, like ripples, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's a lot of what you spend your Misfit Stars funded time on. I... I've been able to shift what I do too in a way that that the the new original music that I'm creating is funded by Misfit Stars, but we were we're able to offer the uh, the those new songs for free for people. Yeah. Like we 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 don't have to rely so much on selling things to make it all work. Yeah. And also, it's been really neat for me to be able to sort of reimagine how I can involve our Misfit Stars community and our larger community, you know, at large, in the process of making these new albums. And like thinking about the creation of new music, not just as a, as a a new thing for you to listen to, not for like the you know the pretty sounds in your ears, mm-hmm. but like you, thinking of of new music projects as acts of service. Like mm-hmm. what can I what can I do to engage uh, you know people around these ideas that I'm creating songs about that will be of benefit to them in mm-hmm. their own lives. You yeah. know what I mean? Like really kind of turning this whole thing into a, a big old act of service. And our Misfit Stars community funds a lot of that activity, yeah. which is wonderful. It is just the coolest thing in the world. So I'm sure there's someone listening who has not yet become a supporter. Uh, please do. Misfitstars.com slash support. It's an inexpensive way to add your little voice mm-hmm. to a couple hundred other people's little voices yeah. and make it be one big voice. Yeah. Saying we support your work and we want to see it continue in the world. Right. That's what you're doing when you sign up. So misfitstars.com slash support. Thanks. Announcements, announcements, announcements. Yes. Yes. So um, the only announcement we have today is that... Uh, Today, the day that this podcast is released... The 15th. The 15th of December is the last day 
to order a personal song this season. Wow, the it's, last day. It's the last day. And if you're wondering what that noise was in the background, the mail just got delivered. Hello, which is mail. Very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, today's the last day. Um, it's been a wonderful season so far. The last few weeks, we've been delivering songs to people who ordered them earlier in the season. So good. And it's just so rewarding. Yeah. It's always a little nerve wracking for me because yeah. I'm like, I made this song for this person and I hope they like it. And like, yeah. I sit on pins and needles until I get an email back from them. And just, the, you know, it's the worst. <laughs> What's the worst is when somebody has a busy life and takes longer than like 12 hours to get back to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Shannon will send the song at like, you know, 11 p.m., 5 p.m., whatever. And if she hasn't heard back by about noon the next day, she's like, they don't like it. I'm terrible at my job. <laughs> and then like three hours later, they'll be like, they'll write back and they'll be like, it's the best song I've ever heard in my life. She'll be like, oh, I guess I'm not terrible at my job, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Yeah. So yeah, but this, Wednesday's the last day to order. Um, and we've got just barely enough time if you want this for Christmas yep. to do that. That's why but, the deadline is the 15th. Yes. It gives us enough time to make it and get it to you in time for you to turn it into a gift. Mm -hmm. And so I will be your little elf. I will be your Will Ferrell. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Creating a, a, the gift that you will give to somebody and you will blow their socks off. Like it will be... Such a meaningful experience. Uh, just s send me a message, Shannon at MisfitStars.com, and I'll give you the information about the pricing and how it works. And uh, we have our final personal song spotlight of the season coming up a little bit later in this podcast <sighs> it's a episode. Goodie. It's a goodie. So stay tuned. Yeah. Jamie. Yes. How are you feeling? You know what? Good. Okay. I feel cheerful. I feel happy. Uh, we took a proper day off yesterday, like a real proper day off. It's what I think other people would probably call a weekend. Yeah. We took our Sunday on Monday because we mm -hmm. didn't have a Sunday. No, uh, we were working, working, working <laughs> on personal songs. Yeah. And it was very worthwhile and we got to deliver one uh, and that was lovely. But then yesterday, like it was... Uh, such a good day off. Like I listened to records. Yeah. Uh, we listened to records. I worked on Legos. You just like sat in the chair <laughs> next to me and just like dicked around and I didn't just, really like, do much. Yeah, no, like sitting around. Watching me do Legos. Is amazing. Yeah. It's amazing to just to sit around. Yeah. I would occasionally pick up my phone. Yeah. And then I'm like, that's a bad idea. I'm going to put this back down. I'm just going to continue sitting around. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was building a little Lego kit. We were listening to records. It was really nice. At mm -hmm. some point, you got us some cheese and crackers. Yeah. Like just all these little simple things, but put together and in sequence. And then mm. we watched some movies at night. Like it just, it felt like a vacation. Yeah. It was one day, but like, I can't even remember the last time I worked, which was two days ago, but it really put a huge like separation yeah, in between the two things. So I feel good today. Good. I mean, I've been feeling good the whole time. I don't mind working. I love what I do. Mm -hmm. But right now I just feel invigorated. I feel cheerful. I feel happy. Mm. Um, yeah, no, doing good. How good. are you feeling? I also feel good. I feel motivated. Mm -hmm. I have a lot on my plate today mm -hmm. and I've just been go, go, going mm -hmm. after it, which is great. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I have the ability to go, go, go because of the rest we took yesterday. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Because um, sometimes this, the level of things on my plate that I have today can make me feel overwhelmed mm -hmm. um, and a little frazzled, but mm -hmm. I don't feel like, like that at all. I feel like I can do this. I just yeah. need to go check one thing off after the next and mm -hmm. here we go. So I feel motivated. Um, I, feel, I feel rested. 
I feel, um, yeah, that's it. I felt overall pretty good. Great. Yeah. So uh, shall we fire up the good news machine? Let's do it. Do you have any good news? I do, yeah. Mine is that early studies continue to suggest that Omicron may be less dangerous than Delta. That's such good news. Man, and, and you know, fingers crossed. We're just going to have to see. It's early days. We have to see how this plays out over like the next two, three weeks, you know, like mm-hmm. between now and Christmas will really show us a lot more about what this is going to look like. Mm. But early indications seem to be that a lot more people are going to get infected, but a lot fewer people are going to get seriously infected. Mm. Now, this is still not amazing news for people among us who are immunocompromised. Right. You know, or otherwise vulnerable. Uh, But for, you know, people who aren't, uh, what it means is that this could, in the best case scenario, sweep through the population, getting a whole bunch of people sick, but Mm. not that sick. Kind of, remember how all the idiots for the first part of the pandemic were like, it's just like the flu. But it wasn't just like the flu. Actually, it was way, way deadlier. Yeah. This could actually be a, it's more like the flu. Mm -hmm. And that's how pandemics end, right? They can end that way. That's one way they can end is they just, they sort of, because what viruses want to do is to keep living. That's They are self-perpetuating little mm-hmm. living machines, right? Mm-hmm. And one great way to keep living is to become very, very infectious. But typically there's a trade-off between how infectious something is and how deadly it is. More infectious mm-hmm. often means less deadly, mm-hmm. you know? And so if it's that combination of things, then it could just turn out more like the flu or it just is a cyclical thing. It could be a lucky break yeah. in sort of this becoming less of a of an ever-present danger like and it's been the last couple of years. We'll just get the booster rolled into our flu shot each yeah. each fall, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and maybe so. Fingers crossed. Uh, who knows what it's really going to do, but like early studies are very encouraging. And you know what? We need encouragement in that <laughs> department, you know? And we also, we need good news in that department, not just for the encouragement factor, but also because so many of our countrymen our, are just over it. And so they're, they're letting mm-hmm. their guard down. They're not being good about mm-hmm. it. Maybe they've never been good about it. Yeah. I was reading this appalling thing, this opinion, this op-ed in The Atlantic yesterday, uh, the, the basic thrust of which was, where I live, no one's ever taken uh, uh, COVID that seriously. Right. Like, I've never worn a mask. You know what oh I mean? Oh, my God. Like an op-ed, like a well-written, like literate op-ed in The Atlantic. Like, uh, what? What? Why'd they even publish that? What the heck? Because, I don't know, fucking both sides, you know. Because media is garbage. Both sides of a deadly virus. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, our media is a garbage fire. And, yeah. It and really presenting is. countervailing viewpoints is somehow held up as being somehow better than just presenting one accurate viewpoint. Right. Right. Because clicks. You know what I mean? I clicked on it, and yeah, I got, and there I you got, go. I got served ads. You fed the monster. <sighs> well, I want to read the stupid fucking article. <laughs> you know what? What am I gonna do? <laughs> I know. So there's that. Mm. But um, you know. People have not been great about it. I mean, we we passed eight hundred thousand confirmed deaths today. So I that's literally just got the notification yeah. on my phone as we've been talking. Yeah. So that's you know that's not such a good thing, right? It wouldn't have been that that's, way. That's in our country. That's in our country. Way, that's it, not worldwide. Yeah. And if we'd been taking it seriously, if more of these people to whom I'm referring hadn't been acting the way they've been acting, oh. it would be fewer. Well, didn't you say to me yesterday you read you were reading somewhere that if um, if people had been if our vaccination rates had been better 
that over the last, just even since June, mm-hmm. something like 125,000. 160. 160,000 American lives would have been saved. Yeah. 160,000 preventable deaths in the last four months. Because people, but, but they're, they're not because people Five didn't months. get vaccinated yeah. or haven't yet gotten vaccinated. What the? Yeah, it's uh. wild. It's just wild behavior. So because all of this very wild and bad behavior, you know, we're not going to vaccinate our way out of this pandemic. You know what I mean? Because mm. there's too many yahoos out there well, doing the wrong thing. Except for it does still very much matter and very much help. And if you're not yet vaccinated, what are you doing? Get out there and do it. Yeah. And if you're not yet boosted, go get your booster shot. Yeah. Because, because that's another thing that we've been reading over the last week. We read statistics on this coronavirus stuff like daily. Yeah. Jamie gets like a newsletter every day and he shares pertinent information with me about it. But like boosters, like they were the the... South Africa has been doing a great job in studying yeah. uh, this new variant, the Omicron variant, and they had a lot of people vaccinated with Pfizer vaccine there, so they have a lot mm-hmm. of data on Pfizer. The f- people with two shots, the initial two shots of the Pfizer vaccine, their effective, the effectiveness of that vaccine against Omicron was only like 30 to 40%. But with a booster, that goes up to 70 to 80%. It increases at 40%. So go Just with a booster. get your booster. Like, do it as soon as you possibly can. Do it before your holiday gatherings. Do it like hit now. Pa- hit pause on the podcast. Go get boosted. <laughs> Come back and hit on pause. Yeah. We will be here. Uh, because and we'll it, be like, good job. Good job. Yeah. Just consider this good job for after you've been boosted. Good job. We're so proud of you. So proud. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it could be really good news that this Omicron variant is less... Dangerous. That's a, that, if that's, that's in fact the deal. Right. Fingers freaking crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's my uh, that's my good news machine. What's in your cool. good news machine? My good news machine mm-hmm. is this news out of Buffalo, New York, mm-hmm. where a Starbucks store there has become they the employees voted to become the first unionized Starbucks location in the country. What a massive victory! Like they were facing. Yeah. Serious headwinds. The the Starbucks Corporation, corporations in general, do not like for their workers to be unionized. No. Worker power, very scary for corporations. Because they just like, this is all about power. Every every single one of these questions goes back to power. And like, if, a, if, if workers are unionized, they have more power to negotiate better wages, better health care, better working conditions, better everything yeah. better, right? Which honestly redounds to the benefit of the company if they could just see past this like blanket, like just craven need for power. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Well, and greed also. Yes, you know? it's, it, you're right. And it's really weirdly abstract greed because mm. it's just like, it's moving like decimal points or, you know, or numbers around in already astronomical corporate profits. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, so maybe it'll make their corporate profits go down from 1.8 billion to 1.6 billion dollars <laughs> in a given year, you know, because they have to like pay more for better health benefits and whatever. Yeah. But like, who cares? Like, who practically is affected by Get that? You know what I mean? Get some perspective. Like, 1.6 yeah. billion is still an unfathomable amount of money. And by the way, I'm just making these numbers up. I don't know okay. what Starbucks corporate profits are, but they're a tremendously successful company. I imagine I'm underestimating. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's just kind of ridiculous. And it's just so people, like the CEOs and upper level managers, you know, executive vice presidents, et cetera, who are quote unquote responsible for increasing like the top, the bottom line, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like so they can get better bonuses and mm-hmm. they can like buy, I don't know, another house or another yacht or an island somewhere. 
somewhere. Right. You know, that's, it's just greed. It is greed. That's all it is. is it's personal greed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's shocking how few people in each company mm-hmm. are responsible for this kind of behavior. You know, it's mm-hmm. what, 10, 20, 30 top level well, managers. It's those, it's those people who are motivated by their own personal greed and they're also motivated by the greed of their investors. Yeah, you know, shareholders in share, the case of yeah, public companies. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's it's more than just those people, but it's all folks who are not the people on the ground actually doing the work that makes the company the money. Yeah. Like those folks should share in the profits if a company's doing well because they're the ones who are actually doing it. Yeah, it's wild. So great news that this Starbucks was able to unionize because I mean, the, to be the first, you know, literally all of the of the Starbucks corporations like efforts to keep their stores from being unifi- unionized yeah. was focused on these stores in Buffalo that were voting on this. Yeah. I think there were actually two, three stores that voted and two out of the three actually became unionized. So the, 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 there was one that, that was the first. It was mm-hmm. kind of like leading the charge. Mm-hmm. This store in I think Elmhurst, I think is the, the place it's it's located. Um, and this the third of those three didn't qua- uh, cross the threshold with enough votes to unionize. However, it's going to be investigated because Starbucks was trying to pull some shady shit with them, trying to bring in new employees that were going to vote no <laughs> to like sway the vote, you yeah. know? Yeah. So it, it, there's actually going to be an investigation, I think, on that, that third store that didn't cross the, the you know, enough Very votes. interesting. Yeah. And maybe it'll be a situation like uh, Walmart, Walmart down in Alabama where actually it's found that there were mm-hmm. like illegal anti-unionization efforts made by the company and yep. so they get to redo the vote. Yeah, yeah, potentially that so. That would be so good. But the good news is that these these workers, even though it's a small number of workers in one tiny little Starbucks store, and one, it's it's the the door is now open. The the model is there for other, other stores to follow if they want to join a union um, and and it, it, it will benefit the people who are actually doing the work. Unions, unions create better circumstances for workers, and it benefits not just them and their families, but it benefits all of society. And there's yeah. been such a great this last year in particular has been a big year for unions, like for worker power in general. Yeah, it's been really, really encouraging. And I mean, like, when you think about you know the periods of um, uh, in the last century of American life that people think about as being prosperous for white people because racism was still and is still a big you know part of the structural issues that that keep black folks from attaining the same amount of power and wealth that white folks do mm-hmm. but but you know when you think back in you know like the 50s and the 60s a lot of people will think about those eras of american life as being so prosperous well unions had a ton of power during yeah. that time that was when, that was like the the apex of like union power in america and yeah. it's good for people it's good for and it's good for everybody yeah. i mean everybody now that we're be- hopefully we're becoming more inclusive in terms of the racial aspect of this too, and mm-hmm. it's not you know just white folks that are going to be benefiting yeah. from this. I think that we're we're moving you know into a new era in that. Fingers crossed as well. But like you know, uh, like I'm not, what I'm trying to say is that I don't want to return to the 50s and 60s because clearly that was not fair to everybody. <laughs> so you're not going full mega yet. <laughs> Definitely not. All right, but but my point is, let's like like take those those principles of unionizing and of worker power and of labor power and roll it into racial equity and let's go. Yeah, you know, like this is this is how we get to a place where we can actually we actually can have a society where people have what they need. Yeah. They have jobs that pay enough. To, to pay the rent or mortgage. And, and, and save. 
and save money and, and not be in debt. They people we can have a society where people have health care. Yeah. That is not going to break their backs if they get sick. Where people have childcare, where people have access to education that's affordable and aren't being crushed by student loan debt. Like we can have these things, oh, yeah. and unions. Play Other a, countries have it, right? Union, but, but like we're the greatest country in the world, and yet we don't have <laughs> right. it. So that's weird. But unions play a big role in advocating for these things and getting these things actually in yeah. place for workers. Yeah. So it's great news out of Buffalo with that Starbucks, and just kind of as a sort of a totem for like. The, the movement in, in worker power that's been happening all over the country this year. So, Man, yay. and now Buffalo is famous for two things. What's the other thing? Oh, it's where uh, President McKinley was assassinated. Oh, well, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, 120 but, years, really, between landmark events in Buffalo. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we really didn't get into many adventures this last week, except for just working on personal songs and delivering them. We were just a little personal song factory this last week. One of them was a full production personal song, and my gosh, those it's are so, so fun. fun to do, because it's like, it's like we made another song off of 2020-101, yeah. but it was just for one person. Yeah. It was so, but I mean, it sounds exactly like a song off of 2020-101, big production, same kind of style, mm -hmm. all the vocal layers. It was just really fun to do, yeah. really fun to make. It ended up sounding killer, great song. Thank you. Uh, it was just, it was neat. And we really like, we worked really, really, really hard on the details. We worked as hard on the details for this song as we did for oh, any yeah. of the other songs of on 2020-101, for sure. You know, like yeah. there was... It, it was it was really cool. It came yeah. out really, really great. So that took a ton of time. It was very rewarding. And then we did an acoustic one that we just delivered a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and the person loved it so much. Uh, and they're going to be using it sort of in a uh, personal capacity in their life. Well, it's yeah, a personal we, song, so that kind of makes sense. Right, we shouldn't yeah. spill any more details. No, I'm, that's why I'm being vague. Yeah, very yeah. vague But, but they're going to be, uh, they're going to be using it for a, a very exciting reason. And it's really, really cool. Mm -hmm. and we're so honored to be a part of it. Yes. Um, so, this is a great yeah. segue into our final personal song, personal song spotlight of oh, the man. season. Uh, Chasing the Moon, do you want to set it up? Yeah, so this is the last one. This is, um, it's been really fun to do these spotlights. I, I, it's fun to get back into, um, you know, the history of personal songs and, uh, and to share them. I don't often get to share personal songs with a broader audience because they are by definition, for a person, you know? Yeah. We have put out, you know, a, a few different collections of personal song albums over the years where we sort of select some of our favorites. But, you know, I think that the total number of songs on those albums has been like 30. 31, because one of them had 11. Right, 31 personal songs. Personal songs, volume two had 11. But I have written over 90 of these for people over the last decade. So there's a whole lot more, there are a lot more songs out there that nobody else has heard, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's been fun to, to highlight. This one that I'm highlighting today, the last one, I really, uh, I'm going into the Wayback Machine for this. I wrote this way back in 2015. Mm -hmm. But I really, when I was going through and picking songs for the Spotlight series, I chose this one because it really still remains for me one of my favorite ones that oh, we've done too. over the years. Yep. And so just for sentimental reasons, I wanted to, <laughs> to put it in here. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I wrote this song in 2015 for a woman to give to her soon-to-be wife on their wedding day. So they were getting married in, they were having a November wedding and they wrote this song for that occasion. And um, it was just, it came together. So I love how the song came together. Uh, there, there were, 
you know, several things about their story that inspired me. And, and in, when you hear the verses of the song, you can hear, you know, some of the specific details that, about their lives that, you know, speak to the specific circumstances of the relationship. Yeah. But the one thing that really tied it all together for me was how in her interview responses, uh, this woman mentioned that the two of them like to go um, put the top down in her car mm-hmm. and go chasing the moon. <sighs> and that is the name of the song, Chasing the Moon. Also, how sweet mm-hmm. that they do this. Very, very sweet. Um, but I also really loved, she shared with me that they also, she used the words, look for the bright spots mm-hmm. in the clouds as sort of a philosophy of life. Mm. And um, so it was really my hope to tie together their this pastime of chasing the moon and also that the, the idea that, that eat, each of them have been that bright spot for one another in their relationship, especially during more difficult times that they've experienced. And so that's where the song came from. And I will share with you after we play it um, what her reaction was, which was really rewarding and lovely. So here's Chasing the Moon. phone calls Words on the air Hearts brace for a long haul Memories flash like lightning to red earth I was falling for you Like leaves in November You were the bright spot In the sky Baby, let's go, let's go, put the top down Honey, let's drive, let's drive till the sun's down We're gonna get through, get through with the deep woods We'll be chasing the moon And I'll be sitting next to you To be there at the quiet end Holding a hand, capturing a last breath Even angels who fly in the care of the broken Need a beacon of love in their own soft landing I'll be the bright spot in your sky Baby, let's go, let's go, put the top down Honey, let's drive, let's drive till the sun's down We're gonna get through, get through all the deep woods We'll be chasing the moon I'll be sitting next to you Bright spot in the sky 
hear the the harmonies and all the other parts I would add to it if I were getting to make a full studio production yeah. <laughs> version of it, you know, like, yeah. oh, but it, yeah. You know what I love about that one? I love your laid back vocal delivery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really, really nice. Really special. Yeah. It's, really it's sets like a mood. intimate. Yeah. yeah. It, it feels like, it feels like a summer night in Michigan where these folks lived mm-hmm. at the time. <laughs> <laughs> or was it they had moved to Wisconsin? Anyway, it feels like a summer night, balmy enough to have the top down, and you're just cruising along yeah. a back road looking for the moon. You know what I mean? Like it feels like that. Like yeah. you know, yeah. Anyway, uh, it's very she, sweet. Yeah, she said when she wrote back to me, she's like, "This song is beautiful." All caps. I'm mm. sitting here in tears, and just cannot thank you enough. You've captured our journey in a way that no one else could have. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's so sweet. So sweet, and I mean, and you heard very a very similar comment from the person to whom we <laughs> delivered this song a couple of days ago. Yeah, you know, people. That is Shannon's special talent. She can capture your life in a song. <laughs> uh, you have basically, I don't know, from when this podcast comes out, about twenty four hours mm-hmm. to twenty four hours minus two minutes. It always comes out at twelve o two a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Typically comes out at twelve o two a.m. So that means that you have about a day to order yourself a personal song. So mm-hmm. if you want Shannon to capture your life, your journey, your feelings, your love for somebody, whatever it might be, uh, ask her. Shannon at MisfitStars.com. You can send her an email. She'll send you info. We need to move quickly at this point. You know, we've been totally chill for like months now, but now we're not in chill time anymore. (laughs) We have two slots left. Uh, People have been just like slowly snapping them up. Remember last week I was like, there's three. Well, now there's two and there's an interested party. So maybe there's one. I'm not sure. If you're listening to this and you've been on the line wondering about it, like on the edge, like you should really just send that email and at least get the info so you can make a decision or stop thinking about it. But why (laughs) why torture yourself, really, you know? Uh, But we would love to do a personal song Mm -hmm. with you. Shannon would love to write one. I would love to work on the the sound aspect of it. You know, Shannon writes them. I'm the one who mixes them. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's always special because I get to do what I can from a sonic perspective to help shape that emotion, you know, Mm -hmm. and make it as emotionally true for your experience as I can, Mm -hmm. you know? know uh so yeah shannon at misfitstars.com send her that email and we would love to do this with you yeah well should we take a quick break Mm -hmm. and then get back to the final the final uh episode of our mini series on recovery and sobriety wow (gasps) yep how exciting okay let's do that we'll see you soon Hey, wow, 
Wow, so excited to jump into this conversation. So Shannon's going to lead the conversation, and we're talking about tools. Yeah, so, okay, the way we had structured this whole series is that we each sort of, like, shared what it was like, what happened, and then and then what it's like now. Yeah. And your what happened section turned into, like, a multi-week exploration through the, all the steps, which was wonderful. Mm-hmm. So I actually haven't been in my story specifically, although we've, you know, obviously I've, I've chimed in here and there about how the steps related to me personally. Yeah. But we haven't really been in my story for a long time now. Um, and Do so you the, even remember it anymore? Oh, I, I mean, of course I do. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I had talked a lot about... Um, I had done a, a lot of like what it's like now kind of stuff before um, in talking about what my relationship was like now with myself and with others and boundaries and, you know, all these things that like have changed in my life after having gone through uh, the steps. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and so when I was talking about those things, I, I remember one of the last things that I shared was that, um, that, that, you know, these are all these all these new ways in which I live, you know, or, or the ways in which I intend to live, um, have brought so much, you know, joy and peace and serenity into my life. Like, and but also that I slip up still, you know, sure. and and then it's also this. We've been talking about the fact that this is this a daily recovery is a daily exercise. It's yeah. a daily maintenance of our spiritual condition to you know to stay on track. Yeah. And it's not like. High school, where you finish it and you're done and you never go back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you're going back to algebra, my friend. Damn. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but, but, you know, when I, when I slip up or, or, or when I, you know, just go back to my daily maintenance, there are a set of tools that I have now to do those things, to handle those things, yeah. you know, um, and and so my the last part of what I wanted to share was just really kind of what my personal like go-to tools are for mm. coping with life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and this involves, you know, again just maintaining my spiritual condition, but also uh when I when I hit a snag or when I have when something when a circumstance comes about that is difficult you know, for me to navigate, uh, or when I slip up in my own, um, like living my life with the kind of integrity that I want to, how do I get back on track? You know, mm-hmm. remember I had talked about integrity being sort of like, um, living what my inner life looks like matches what my outer life looks like Yeah, in an in, in integrated life, you know? Mm-hmm. So the tools are, these are my walking like, the talk one might say, yeah, these are, that my my personal go to tools and um and so uh, you know the, I'm sure that these would look maybe the, maybe different people in recovery would name these a different way for mm-hmm. themselves or whatever but these are the things that I personally like okay I've got a thing I need to deal with what am I what tool am I picking up today and it's going to be one of these things okay or many of them the first thing that is on my list is this serenity prayer mm-hmm. and. Back uh, to basics. Back to basics, totally. There's like, a reason they start every <laughs> single meeting with the serenity prayer. Yeah. Doesn't matter what flavor of meeting you go to, where in the world you do it. Right. Like, you start with a serenity prayer. So- I have heard the serenity prayer in German. I have heard the serenity prayer in English. <laughs> I have heard the serenity prayer in Dutch. That's so great. Like, anywhere you go to a meeting in the world, mm-hmm. like, you start with this very simple idea because it's literally the the emotional foundation of, of how we, like, if we're going to deal with life successfully, do so. Right. Can you just recite it for us? Yeah, absolutely. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, 
courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah, there is so much power in those words. First of all, I want to say that um, I grew up being aware of the serenity prayer. I, I used to work in a in a um, Bible bookstore when I was in high school and some some of part of college too. I'd go back on work on like holidays, and um, because I was raised in a, a, a conservative. Christian religious household, and that was part of my life. That was I've shared this story earlier in this series, so you you've heard that. So my first job ever was working in this Bible bookstore, and so badass. <laughs> Why is that badass? I, anytime I hear about somebody working retail when they're a teenager, I kind of think it must be like clerks or like when I was working in a video store or something like that. You no, know, this is a Christian bookstore. Probably not as much excitement. Well, no, I mean, we had excitement. Well, see, you, we had you, had, own, you probably had excitement. We had our own form of excitement. But one of Teenage the things- Teenage retail, man. <laughs> so good. But like we had a whole like gift section, you know? Mm-hmm. And like there were so many like little gift plaques or like tea towels or little framed pictures or whatever with the serenity prayer like printed a, on it. Yeah. So like, so I was aware of this. And and I I did associate- the serenity prayer at that time in my life with people who were recovering from alcoholism because a lot, oftentimes folks would come in and they would, you know, in talking to them, they would self-identify as somebody who was in AA or something. Interesting. And, like, and they wanted, you know, this serenity prayer plaque for their house or for a gift or whatever. Because like in a pre-Amazon world, if you wanted something like that, like you, probably like you, the Bible store was like the only place to go get like a serenity prayer merch. Yeah, totally, huh. totally. So- I did associate it with, I mean, with very little that I knew about recovery when I was in high school, you know, like that's, I did associate it with that. So when I got into the program uh, in Dakota and this was how they opened every meeting, boy, did I have like layers of things to like <laughs> unpack in terms of being able to accept this as a tool that would actually be helpful for me sure. because of that pre-association with that like earlier part of my life with religion that I didn't want anything to do with anymore. Yeah. Um, I, the, the fact of it being called a prayer <laughs> Come on. was something that I had to like uh, deal with because it was a block. It was just a block for me. I would, I really didn't want anything to do with that previous life any oh, longer. I've, I've never been to church and I'm 17 years into the program and it's still a block for me. <laughs> Anytime I, I'm on Facebook and I see here someone being like, send prayers. I'm like, I'm not fucking sending prayers. <laughs> but then I'm like, no, okay, I can, I can. I know what it means. It's different. I map it to the word in my mind. Yeah. It doesn't sound as Ugh. Yeah, And totally. I move forward. <laughs> so I had to get of that. And, and, you know, in the program, in the rooms, they start with God grant us the serenity, you you know, and so yeah, and that's funny. I realized as I was saying it that I left that out when you, you were like, "Hey, Jamie, can you recite this serenity prayer?" I was like, "I'm not starting with God," yeah, <laughs> which is really funny, right? <laughs> Typical alcoholic trying to do things slightly my own way. Yeah, right. No, but honestly, it, like the mm-hmm. quick calculus I was making in my brain in that moment was, you know, we haven't done the whole freaking preamble about don't take this literally. It's not a way. Well, here we are doing it. Yeah. yeah, but you know, that's why I didn't start with God. But it is. It's God, comma, grant me the serenity, yeah. etc. Exactly. You know? so, God being the idea that you're not in charge of everything in the universe that's something other than you yes. is. But it's not a monotheistic deity. It could yes. be any other thing. It's just not you. Mm-hmm. So. But getting past all those things that I needed to unpack and that I still do need to unpack from time to time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and rehash for myself, the serenity prayer is fundamental. I probably recite that to myself in my, in my brain silently every day. 
Oh, I love it. Like probably every day. It's not like it's a, it's not a, it's not like it's a, um, on a schedule or like that I intend to do it. It's that I come up on something in my day that I'm feeling some friction Mm -hmm. and this is the first tool I pull out. It's like triage. It's like, it's like triage tool one. Yes. Number one. There's something that's come up in my day. I'm feeling friction about something. I'm feeling a little emotionally off kilter, whatever. If I'm remembering to, to use my tools, this is the first one that comes out of my tool belt. And it is just, I just say the words in my in my mind, silently to myself. Mm-hmm. Grant me uh, uh, the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Mm-hmm. Let's just stop there for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> because oftentimes, whatever friction I'm feeling, whatever thing I've come up against in my day, there's a lot of times where that's where it ends. It's not something I can change. Yeah. It's not something over which I have power. Yeah. And so, and it's especially like you're built real stubborn. And so your instinct <laughs> sometimes, I'm sure, mm-hmm. in your own brain is like, well, here's something I don't like. Let's change it. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but oftentimes when I get to that part of the prayer, it's like, okay, that's as far, that's honestly as far as I need to go yeah. right oh, now. Right, right, right. Acceptance. Yes. Yes. And so, so yet my directive then is acceptance. Yeah. If this is something that I cannot change, my directive is to work on the acceptance right. of that. Um, and, and I often think about sorting things into buckets when I'm thinking about this prayer. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about there's a bucket on my right that is things I cannot change. Mm-hmm. There's a bucket on my left are th- the, the things that I can change. <laughs> and this prayer is, is, is me actively putting things into those buckets. So bucket one to accept the things I cannot change. Put those things in a bucket, bucket one, and then f- work on acceptance. Yeah. And that's a whole other ball of wax, the whole working on acceptance, but mm-hmm. just the act of mentally, spiritually putting the things I cannot change into a bucket that is labeled things I cannot change yeah. is helpful to me. Oh, yeah. You know, that, that actually then you don't have to worry about assists me in my acceptance. And to draw this back to the step work, remember like in step four when we're making those columns, right? For all the things that mm-hmm. like we're, we're freaked out about. Yeah. And there's that third column, which is what did the other person do? Mm-hmm. And then there's a fourth column, which is, well, what did I do? You know, what's right. my part? What's their part in it? What's my part in it? And then remember you throw right. away the what's their part in it. Yeah. That's basically because you're putting it in that bucket of things I cannot change. Because yep. what can't you change mostly? Other people. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So that's the first part. The second part, courage to change the things I can't. So yeah. whatever I have not sorted into bucket the bucket one, now we're in bucket two, the things I can change, the things over which I do have some agency. Mm-hmm. I am asking for courage to change those things. Yeah. If, if this thing that I've come up against, if this friction I'm feeling is sorted into the bucket of things I have the power to deal with, mm-hmm. well then... I am then in that moment stealing myself with the courage to do something about it. Yeah. And that feels empowering. Mm -hmm. You know, just the act of sorting it into the bucket of things I can change is empowering and it gives me courage. Just the act of doing that gives me courage Mm -hmm. because I've gone from feeling helpless against this friction I'm feeling or helpless against the circumstance to be like, oh, no, wait, 
I actually can do something about that. Yeah. And sometimes, honestly, sometimes the solution is very simple. Sometimes the solution is drink a glass of water. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or get up and move your body for a moment. Or, I mean, there can be lots of different things, obviously. But sometimes the solution is very easy. If I'm feeling that, that tension and I recognize that there's a thing I can do to change that circumstance, and then I... Then I then I have the I feel empowered with the agency to do that thing. Yeah, you know, um, if I'm feeling like I am getting behind on work, or I'm like my my workload is overwhelming, or I'm and I'm feeling frazzled. Remember, I was describing that earlier. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when I'm busy, I can feel overwhelmed. Yeah. you know, there's a bucket of oftentimes in those circumstances, thing, lots of stuff in the things I can change bucket. Mm-hmm. And, and oftentimes just the, the overwhelm itself can be paralyzing. Sure. And so sorting the stuff into the bucket of things I can change gives me like, it gives me like almost structure. a- structure? Yeah, structure. Almost a list. Okay, well, I could, I need to just actually do that five minute task I've been putting off because of some stupid yeah. unknown reason. You know, yeah. that's the way procrastination works, right? Yeah. Like you, it's, it's Everything like, goes into the same- like mixed together, undifferentiated blob yeah. <laughs> of overwhelming tasks, yeah. right? And then it, when they're all sort of unseparated like that, the five-minute task and the five-hour task can right. seem equally overwhelming because oh, they're all part of that same exactly. thing. But as soon as you separate them out, it's like, oh, this one's just five minutes. I'll just quick do it. And then my list will have one last thing on it. All of a sudden, we're making progress. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. So just the sorting is helpful. And then the last part of the prayer uh, and the wisdom to know the difference, mm. you know, and that's just, that's an ongoing thing, right? Like that's the wisdom to sort those things into the yeah. appropriate bucket. But accurately, it's really, <laughs> it really comes down to, you know, if, if what I'm experiencing is friction in a personal relationship, then the thing that I'm that I'm looking at is okay. Where's the yellow line in the center of the street? What side of the street is mine? What side of the street is theirs? Whatever's happening on their side of the street goes into bucket one. Yeah, and I accept and I let go. Whatever's happening on my side of the street is going in bucket two, and then I can deal with that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. so. It, it it but it is you know an active process of of discerning. Okay, what do I have the power to change and what do I not? Um, but gosh, that, that, that tool is like, it's helpful to me every single day from like small to big things in my life. It is essential. Yeah. It is my essential tool. And I want to say, and I am not, I hope I'm not giving too much away, um, for my own schemes and plans, but I, I have this, uh, idea about, uh, the next, uh, uh, album I want to write. Mm-hmm. And, I think that I would like to explore this idea of the serenity prayer or of of accessing this kind of serenity <laughs> mm-hmm. through these these sort of like three steps, I guess. They're not really steps, but you know what I mean? Like actions in yeah. this prayer yeah. um, in a more long form way. Uh, like I'm, I'm interested in exploring that via songwriting mm-hmm. and maybe at album length and maybe especially because, you know, I've, I've talked about it on this podcast, like there's so much in the world that is cause for stress and anxiety right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so much. I mean, there's obviously still the pandemic. The stuff that's happening in our government is super scary to me mm-hmm. and like causes me a lot of strife on a daily basis when mm-hmm. I read about it. Mm-hmm. Um there's, you know, all the, the 
knock-on effects of those two things within our families and our communities and our friendships and our relationships, you know, like all the stuff that's, it's just, it's, there's a lot. We're all dealing with a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm dealing with a lot. And I just thought it might be an interesting time right now in the beginning of or in the beginning of next year starting in 2022 to do a deep dive into exploring having serenity in a time that is still chaotic yeah right because that's the thing like when when i think of when i when i used to think of serenity i was i thought of of peaceful circumstances you know yeah. a waterfall and a or a babbling brook and yeah i'm at the spa know, exactly that's not at all what serenity is. Serenity is um, being okay and in the midst of all of the circumstances that are chaotic, right? Like the external stuff isn't going to change because of the serenity prayer. No. <laughs> I'm going to change, and yeah. that's, the, that's the, the thing. So I'm... Well, again, because the external circumstances go in bucket one. Exactly. So I'm really interested in exploring these ideas in the serenity prayer at like longer length and maybe album length and maybe bringing y'all along on that journey with me in that in 2022. Hmm. So that's what, I, that's what I've been thinking about. And, that's uh, very interesting. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see where that I'm all... I'm like all pretending to be very interested. I've known about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very interesting that you've chosen to tell people. Well, you know, it, it seemed appropriate... Um, it's it's been it's been um, kind of a, a a beacon flashing light for me for a while now. Yeah. And so since we're talking about it here, I thought, well, you know. Also, people asterisk. We don't know. Plans Sometimes can change. plans change. Yeah. But yeah. That's, that's where I'm at right now. Great. Um, okay. Next tool. Yes. We've been on the, on that one for a long time. But the next tool uh, is keeping short accounts with others mm-hmm. and making quick amends when I've wronged somebody. Yep. Um, it's a biggie for me too. You know, that is, that is something, you know, when I've sorted things into buckets and if the friction I'm feeling is the result of my own actions mm-hmm. towards somebody that I am not pleased with, mm-hmm. <laughs> that don't align with my values, yeah. then um, I've learned that the sooner I just take care of that, mm-hmm. the better I feel. Yep. And the less shame I'm accumulating inside myself and the less bad behavior that comes out of that shame that accumulates. Like, it's just better to deal with it as soon as possible. And people, to place this into context of, like, the overall program, this is step 10. Yep. That's all it is, Mm -hmm. you know, is just taking that daily inventory. And when you're wrong, promptly admitting it. That's all. Yeah. And daily inventory also, like, it can be once every 24 hours. But honestly, for those of us who are more, like, further along in this, like, we just do it constantly. You know what oh, I mean? Like, yeah. if, you can, if you can let something only go 24 hours before you like, take ownership of it and, and right the wrongs you've made, that's great. If it's, you know, if it's 24 minutes, that's mm. even better. 24 seconds, better yet. You if know I, what I mean? As soon as I've understood that I've got something to take responsibility for, I've got to do that. Yeah. Like the longer I wait, it just eats me alive inside. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, And again, that's why we do the 10th step. Yeah. It's not for the other person. It's for you. Yeah, Totally. Totally. But, I mean, you know, it, and it redounds to the benefit of the other person also. So it's a win-win. Yeah. But it's primarily for you. Yeah. You know, you do sobriety for you, yeah. not for how it affects other people, because that would be codependent manipulative. Yes, yes, exactly. But, you know, a big part of this for me, and it's related, is just learning how to say I'm sorry. I have historically in my life not been good at that. And I think it well, if ties... Well, if you're the perfect kid, why would you ever need to say you're sorry? Well, and I think it ties back to my need to manage my image. Yeah. For well, that's people. what I mean, if you're yes. the perfect kid. Yeah, Yeah. so I, I hadn't gotten there yet. But like, you know, if I, I... 
as you recall, may recall from describing my pre-recovery life, you know, that I, I really needed for people to think that I was praiseworthy, that I was worthy, <laughs> just worthy. Yeah. I needed people to think that I was good so that they would give me affection and approval and praise. And so admitting to having been wrong or done something wrong and saying, I'm sorry, uh, felt kind of like a, it felt kind of existential to me mm -hmm. for a long time. Yeah. And those pathways have worn pretty deep. Like it's been difficult for me to learn how to say, I'm sorry. It wasn't modeled for me as a kid either. Like I, mm. I remember seeing recently somebody on Twitter, I think talking about how like, Hey, as parents, let's normalize apologizing to our children yeah. when we've screwed up and, and, you know, modeling for them that you can say, I screwed up. You and, and I I'm, come from the generation where the parent was always right. Yeah. But, but you know, like <laughs> I, I imagine that it, it, that would have been really valuable to me to have, oh God, yeah. to have somebody, you know, modeling for me that it's okay that it's good to own up that it that we all make mistakes and we can own up to our mistakes yeah. and we can apologize for them we can make amends for them and life goes on yeah because i didn't know that life could go on <laughs> you know like yes. i really thought that that was you know so so i've been that's something that i've had to i've had to work on quite a lot in oh, my adult life is you learning and me both. how to say i'm sorry totally not uh, a core competency mm -hmm. yeah uh, my it next, is now though yeah. Much better oh, at I'm, it personally, I'm, I think. Yeah, I think I'm much better at it too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that feels good. My next tool mm -hmm. um, that I go to nearly daily mm -hmm. also is the concept of doing the next right thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I... I wrote an entire record about this idea a couple mm -hmm. of years ago that And Her Whisper Becomes a Storm album was sort of an album length uh, di deep dive into the concept of what doing the next right thing looks like for me, or what, if, what the experience of it is like for me. Um, and, you know, it's because I think that um, it's often really overwhelming to think of of how to approach my life, <laughs> like in my relationships, in my work, in just, you know, what to do with myself. To think about the whole picture is overwhelming to me. I, you know, I've always hated, oh my God, I've always hated when you go to like a, if it's a job interview or maybe like a, an, uh, an application for school or just even in conversations or like, at like I've been to like business networking events where they ask these questions. What's your five-year plan? Where do you hope to be in 10 years? I have always absolutely loathed those yeah. questions. And I remember- Living in the moment, man. Next question. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like I, I, like I've never, I never, I didn't have a framework for understanding why I hated those questions until I understood the concept of doing the right, next right thing sure. in a deeper way. Yep. And, and because like, I, and I, for a long time, I thought I was doing something wrong because I couldn't answer those questions or I didn't want it or I had so much, such resistance against those questions. I thought I was doing something wrong. Like, especially when we were living in LA and there are all these like super like, um, industry focused, motivated artists who are like trying to do everything they can to like climb the ladder, you know, to like quote unquote, make it in the music business. Yeah. Right. 
and you're surrounded by, and it's not just the music business there, right? There's the film industry and like, it's just, it's all, it's all people just scraping to try to figure out how to get to the next level. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm sure this exists. I know this exists in other industries, oh, in sure. other, you know, uh, kinds of work that people do. It's just that in the other industries, there's usually a clear path. In the creative <laughs> industries, the path is much murkier. It's true. But the mindset is the same. Yeah. And the mindset is where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10 years? And I just always fell apart at the at being confronted with those questions yeah. until I understood the concept of doing the next right thing. In, it, in its fullness. And I, I, I will never answer that question. I will never answer that question anymore for as long as I live. Yeah. I'm never going to answer the question, where do you want to be in five years? What's your 10-year goal? Never going to do it. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know. Yeah. What I do know, though, is where I am right now. And I, and, I can, and I have the tools to figure out what the next right thing for me to do is. And when I achieve, when I get there, the very next thing tiny little steps. When I get there, then I can evaluate where I want to go next. You know, um, when, and and, and eventually it'll be five years from now. And eventually it'll be 10 years from now. I can't, I can't predict where that path's going to lead me. I I don't know. What I want, my goal is to be, is to get to that five years, to get to that 10 years and to have achieved some some distance on the path that has led me to a place where I'm living in the fullness of my own authenticity and and in and, and the fullness of myself mm-hmm. and where I'm experiencing serenity and contentment with my life and fulfillment with the work I've done. I don't know the details of that, but like I know that by going one step at a time, next one next right thing at a time, I will get to a place where that's, going to be true of where I'm at. What were you going to say? Well, you know, that when you try to like map out in advance what your X year plan is going to be, mm-hmm. it's totally possible that you would foreclose on so many wonderful things happening in your life. Right. I think, for example, how house concerts appeared in our lives. Totally. There was no five-year plan that we ever would have written <laughs> in 2010 right. that involved us over the next five years uh, entering the house concert space. Right. You know what I mean? We would have been appalled by that idea because what we wanted was to have quote unquote normal success. Like <laughs> whatever reg- like whatever the normal path is, right? Which doesn't involve house concerts. There's right. no version of a normal path that involves house concerts. Right. Like thanks to the efforts that you and I have made and the book we published and the talking we've done about it, maybe it's slightly more normalized for a younger generation of artists than it was previously. Mm-hmm. Maybe slightly, you know? Mm-hmm. But even then, it's a really niche thing. Mostly you just think about normalized industry ways of quote unquote getting successful mm-hmm. in the music business, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, And if we had been dogmatic about that, we wouldn't have opened this door that led us to all of the rewarding things that have led us to where we are currently in our life. I remember the night that we came up with the idea that we were going to do this podcast. Yeah. We we didn't sit down that night to plan and be like, okay, we're going to start a podcast. We ended up there after an exploration of, okay, where are we? What are the... What are the kinds of things we want to explore next? What are we curious about? What, where, what, what do we feel is the next right thing? Mm-hmm. And that conversation led us to starting a podcast. Yeah. The podcast became the Misfit Stars community. 
And the Misfit Stars community was very small at the very, very beginning. And it has blossomed over these last couple of years. Like yeah. the pandemic introduced a chaos factor into our lives that, that caused the Misfit Stars community, because it had been started when it was, to become such a much bigger part of our lives now. Mm-hmm. And all the things that we are able to do, like we said earlier in the podcast about like the mentoring you're doing and the, you know, empowering other artists and all, the, all these new things, those wouldn't have been on a five-year plan. No. We would not have been able to come up with that. Life had so many more riches in store for us by doing the next right thing. And yeah. this is a concept I learned in recovery and which applies in, in my life. I apply in my life every single day in some way or other. Um, it, and it's not just work related. You know, we've been talking about work, you know, but it is, it is, okay, how am I, how, what am I going to do in, the, I'm, I'm feeling a rift in this relationship that I really would like to see some healing in. What's the next right thing that I can do in that scenario, you know, to, mm-hmm. to work toward that or whatever the circumstance is, you know, I want to get myself, my body healthier. Okay. Well, the next right thing is to get up tomorrow morning and get on my treadmill for a half an hour. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it applies in so many different areas of my life. And, um, you know, to tie this again, back to the steps, this is step 11. Mm-hmm. That's all this is, you know? Mm-hmm. That's the, like doing the next right thing is just the layman's language way to say, sought through uh, prayer meditation to improve our mm-hmm. constant, con- our conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Mm-hmm. I did that from memory, but I'm pretty sure that's exactly right, <laughs> you know? But uh, that's it. That's all it is. It's just... that idea that you want to constantly be actively looking within and without, right? You're looking for what's out there Mm -hmm. and how you fit into it in the best possible and most natural way. Not in a preconceived way that you're trying to ram through even though it doesn't quite fit. You're trying to be like a reed in water, flexible, adapting Mm -hmm. to the ever-changing situations in your life, Mm -hmm. you know? And when presented with each next moment in the ever unfolding story of your life, mm-hmm. in that moment, being able to ask yourself, how can I best meet this moment? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's, um, it's a really powerful concept for me and one that I am so grateful to have. You know, when, I, when my, we did the show uh, for Andrew Whisper Becomes a Storm, it was, a, it was in the virtual concert format because it was the f- year one of this pandemic that we are currently in. <laughs> And, um, and so cruising into year three, baby. So you and I were doing shows from our basement. It was so fun to do those. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were doing the, the, the record that was based on this idea of walking through the sort of minuscule steps that I experienced personally in doing the next right thing. Yeah. And, um, one of the, one of the quotes that I shared during that show, which I still think about all the time, um, was from the, is from the writer E.L. Doctorow. And he said this about, um, uh, about the idea of writing, that writing is like this, but I'm 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 applying this to the idea of living and doing the next right thing, in, you know, in your life. It's like driving a car at night. Mm-hmm. You can only see as far as your headlights, but you can make the whole trip that way. Mm-hmm. When I hear that quote, I think of a drive that you and I did a number of years ago on a tour. Mm-hmm. Sometimes one of the things that we do if we've been on a route 
a lot. We want to get like a different route. If we've got time, we'll like take a side highway or something out of the way to get us from point A to point B just so we're not seeing the same scenery over and over. Are you talking about when we drove to Boise? Yep. Uh. So we took this route. We were going from the Sacramento area to Boise, Idaho, and we'd done the route for, you know, so many times where you drive over to Winnemucca and then you head north on some, you know, small road up to... It's like eastern Nevada kind of. Yeah. We had done that route. That's the most efficient route. We've done that a whole bunch of times. But we're like, we have we have some time. Let's explore a different route. And so we took this route that took us up sort of like the eastern side of California and up into eastern Oregon mm-hmm. and then eventually cut over into Idaho. Via like very northwestern Nevada but, kind of, yeah, I think. We yeah, we were just in no man's land. Highway 395 is, for anyone who knows the area. It's okay. on the eastern side of the Sierra Nevadas. It's deep in the middle of freaking nowhere. And there was this one portion of the drive where we were we were driving. It was nighttime. We'd, it, it, so it had gotten dark and there was nothing out there. No towns, no cities for hundreds of miles. Yeah. And we ended up going alongside this lake for a very long time. Like, like, like 40 or 50 miles. It was a very long lake. But yeah. the road was right up, hugged against the water. So we can kind of see like the moonlight, like, you know, reflecting off the water a little bit, but it was so dark out there. So dark. Like our high beams were on and it was difficult to see. But I think about this quote, I think about that scene every time I think about this quote, like I think about hugging that lake with the headlights just illuminating only because we had we had no idea when we were come upon civilization next you know yeah. it was it was forever and ever we could only see a little bit at a time but we we completed the journey that way that's all we needed to see at that at each moment yeah. you know um and and that's that's really what i think about with my life and, the, and the, with the idea of doing the next right thing i don't mm. need to see beyond right now Mm-mm. you know uh, there's there's <sighs> There's a lot, I think we spend a lot of time worrying about the future and it's futile. Yeah. It's <laughs> so know? futile and dangerous for people like us that there's a term for it in the program. It's called future tripping. Mm-hmm. It's really not good to do. Yeah. I don't, I can't see the future. And also I don't need to because I have this, I have the tools and the skills that I need in order to do the next right thing to get me where it is that I need to go. Yeah. I do the next right thing and then I do the next right thing after that. And after that, and after that, and that's all I need to do. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that this is step eleven, and that it's you know this is the process of by process of prayer and meditation. That's the next thing on my list is ah. meditation. Next tool on my list, and I am not somebody who meditates in a any sort of like meditation practice mm-hmm. or tradition. Like I don't. I've not. I've never. Not that I'm not open to those things. I have. I just have never learned. Yeah. That kind of like practice meditation like or there's there's like long traditions ancient traditions about meditation right like the people learn and practice and I've not done any of that but for me what it means what meditation has meant to me um is just the practice of getting to uh, of listening and I think it's listening to myself Mm -hmm. but it's because I but also it's listening to my higher power (laughs) Mm -hmm. um which um you know, is not myself, obviously. It's a power greater than myself. Mm-hmm. But I think that that it's um it's the pra- I have learned I have learned ways to get still mm-hmm. and listen for my instincts and listen for 
listen, listen to what it is that I think, which is something that pre-recovery, I didn't know at all how to do. I, I, I paid attention to what other people thought because that was more useful in me acting in a way that gained their approval, praise, and affection, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But I've had to practice and learn how to listen to what I think about things, uh, to, about what I want, about what I'm feeling. Um, learning how to recognize that small voice that speaks truth inside me. Mm-hmm. It's there. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of things that get in the way of me listening to that. Um, Preconceptions, ego. Sure. Yeah. Shoulds. Mm-hmm. Um, Shoulds is just way, I think, I think that sh- <laughs> the word should is just a way of externalizing your ego. Oh, that's interesting. That's to make a, it be like, it's not me who's doing it. That's deep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there are also, and those are the internal things that get away, get in the way of that. There are so many external things. There, there are, um, I, I have had to learn where and how to create space for me to be able to listen in my life. You know, um, I, I am, I'm one of the millions and millions of people out there who in a moment of potential stillness am tempted to just pick up my phone. <laughs> oh, hi, what's going on on Twitter? And distract myself. Mm-hmm. And it's a form of distraction and numbing. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't bring me what I need mm-hmm. or what, or it doesn't make me feel better, <laughs> you know, but I've had to learn how to put it down yeah. and, and, and accept a moment where maybe I'm, maybe I'm bored. Whoa. Whoa. You know, like it's okay to be still or bored or undistracted. It's more than okay. I need those moments. I need to create an environment like that to actually be able to listen because that voice is small. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not blaring, <laughs> you know, and it requires me to, to create that space inside my spirit to hear it. Um, I've talked before about how uh, early morning, like first time, immediately after waking up, before I've even opened my eyes, that that's a moment when I can really get to that place pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, pretty easily. Um, and so I've learned to embrace that time. Like I've, you know, my before my brain starts firing off, gotta get up, gotta get up, got these things to do, you know, should be doing this, should be doing that. You know, before I let my brain do that, I just sort of like allow myself to be... Mm-hmm. In that, in that space, and I don't know what's going to come up in my brain <laughs> in those moments when I'm listening. It's not. It's 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 it. I am open, you know, to hearing, and I will often get ideas that mm-hmm. are exciting to me mm-hmm. during those moments of my day. Mm-hmm. I will oftentimes, if I've been working on a creative project, oftentimes a solution will come mm-hmm. to me, um, or. Or something to do with you know with my personal life in some way, some some thought or feeling or or action that that I am inspired to take um, will come to me in those in that moment. So I've learned how to you know really embrace that that time. But I I've also learned how to figure out how to create those moments for myself and other times of the day too. Um, again, putting down my phone, closing my computer is a big big one for mm-hmm. me. Um, learning how to get quiet and stay quiet. Like I go up to my my studio where I can shut the door between downstairs and upstairs. (laughs) And I have a space up there where I can get quiet, you know, and, um, and it feels 
uncomfortable sometimes the the getting quiet part of things before you get to staying quiet mm-hmm. <laughs> like my body feels like oh I should be doing something I should be checking my phone I should be you know like there's I'm I have to fight through stuff that wants to pull me in different directions sure um, but if I go up there, I can I can achieve that up there in my little space, and it's it's important to have a little space like that. And when the weather's nicer, I can go outside on our back deck and do the same thing, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But it's generally speaking a, a space where I, I I'm alone. Also, you mm-hmm. know, like I love you, but like I need for you to not be around for yeah. <laughs> for, for those moments, yeah. you know. Um, and you know, just letting my mind wander, mm-hmm. like, um. Letting letting my my thoughts just trail one into the next into the next. Um, it's our everything in our world tells us not to spend time doing that. Mm-hmm. Everything in our world tells us to schedule ourselves out to the max and be productive, 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 and you know, like, but just kind of wasting time mm-hmm. and and wandering in my thoughts is an essential part of me maintaining that that connection with the the little voice inside that tells me what the next right thing is, mm-hmm. you know? Um, also, freeform journaling is a really great way for me to do that too. Like yeah. just getting a, a pencil out and it's with my, it's handwritten. It's not typed for me. It's it's writing on a page. Um, not really thinking about what I'm writing at all, but mm. just writing. This is one of the things that I'm looking forward to doing. I, I do this a lot with songwriting in general, mm-hmm. but like I'm looking forward to exploring that freeform journaling um, in the context of of the idea of exploring the uh, the Serenity Prayer in more depth mm-hmm. next year too, um, and maybe I'll even be inviting y'all to to do that with me mm-hmm. if you want to on your own time for yourself. You know, <laughs> this is um, one of the things that's interesting me. But so those are some of the ways that I that I get to that meditation place. Um, those are the things that work for me. Um, do you have anything that you want to add on that? Like if this is this is my stuff, obviously, but you know maybe if there are more ideas for folks, uh, you know, you've got anything to add? No, you know, I do though want to co-sign that last thing you said. I mean, if you go back and listen to the September 22nd episode <laughs> that started this entire thing, mm-hmm. it started from a freeform journaling exercise that I did. Right. That's where literally this whole conversation that yeah. we're still continuing and finishing today mm-hmm. uh, started from. It, mm-hmm. It's invaluable, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a big, big, big tool. Mm-hmm. It's sort of in terms of how all this stuff kind of maps to the tools that we learn in program. This again maps back to step 10, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, it's a longer form way of doing a personal inventory, really. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a deeper form of it, you know. Mm-hmm. You can do it like a really sort of shallow inventory like we were discussing like 20 minutes ago. You know, if you're feeling bad about something, maybe you want to take your inventory about that specific thing. It's really targeted. Mm-hmm. You're, it's kind of superficial. Mm-hmm. Not in a bad way. It's just like you're really staying at the level you need to in a focused way, you right. know? But like this more long form, you know, more automatic writing kind of thing that you yeah. were talking about, mm-hmm. that's a deeper way of kind of doing a generalized inventory and seeing what comes up. It's a way to surface right. things. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a way to surface stuff that then you might need to subsequently pay more attention to. Right, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it's... It's so interesting to me in like hearing you talk about your tools and these are just like abstracted tools that, that work for you. Every single one of them, as I have a, a, made a point of doing along this this conversational journey, yeah. maps directly back to something in the steps. Oh yeah. Like all of this, and, and it's not because like we are consciously deriving these tools from the steps, it's exactly the reverse. <laughs> it's because they mapped the steps to all of the best mm. practices they figured out in their lives Just for a healthy that, living. Stuff that works. Yeah. yeah. Stuff that works for healthy living. Mm-hmm. And you know, 
to, to contextualize this even further within the steps, that is why I think the program is so valuable. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. it's because it is just a whole bunch of best practices for emotionally healthy living mm. written down. Yeah. And codified. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. You know, I, I know that there, for some people, is an apprehension about it, either because they come from a religious background or because they don't. And it, and it seems and it seems equally unappealing. It's kind of in the mm-hmm. middle, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it seems equally unappealing from both angles. Mm-hmm. You came at them from a religious background, hated it. I came at it from an atheist background, hated it, you yeah. know? I mean, it didn't hate it, but we're innately distrustful yeah. of it, you yeah. know? And that innate distrust, that uh, what they call in AA, one of the million sayings they have, uh, it's a contempt prior to investigation. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> Uh, that, I've already got all this figured out yeah. and I hate it. Yeah, yeah. I, I know what AA is and I don't like it. Yeah. Oh, oh, is, is that so? Is that so? Yeah, yeah, totally. And you know, it, this it's definitely, this is programmatic mm-hmm. in nature. Yeah. Reco- the 12-step recovery is. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's just to make it easy for oh, folks. Yeah. Like you just follow the program. But, it, but You literally not, just do what the person before you tells you to do. But it's not a structure. It's yeah. not, it, 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 what I mean by that, it's not, there's not, there's no hierarchy. There's no, it's not a power structure. It's just, it's just a program yeah. that you can take or leave. There's no grades, you know, right. uh, there's no judgment. Right. It's just people dropping keys for other people. Yeah. That's it. It's just those of us who are a little further along, just briefly explaining mm-hmm. to other people who are not as far along mm-hmm. as us. What what the person before us told us. Mm-hmm. That's all. It's just passing it down. Yeah. And sometimes putting your own, you know, spin on it, as Shannon and I have done, because we have a podcast and like a longer time in which we can really yeah. meditate on this stuff and yeah. sit with this stuff and right. explore it at greater length. And again, you know, like it's not just about not drinking anymore or not using anymore or not, you know, using food as a as an addiction addictive thing anymore or gambling or in my case unhealthy relationships you know it's not really about those things i mean it is about those things right yeah. those are the those are the labels at, at a very sort of, surface level it's about those, those things those are the symptoms that that land us in you know in recovery yeah. um and yes it is about not doing those behaviors anymore but it's about so much more i mean if honestly if you're going into, if you're considering recovery, and your goal is just to not drink anymore, okay. Mm-hmm. But I just want to tell you, there's so much more available for you. Yeah. Like, and it's no skin off my back if you get that or not. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I have, I have no horse in your race. You know, yeah. like it is. But, but, but what, what I really want to just like hammer home is with, with all these tools, with all these steps, with all the stuff that we've been talking about for the last number of months, is that if there is. Any, if there's something in your life, or there's, if there are symptoms in your life that are giving you clues that perhaps you're not living your life to its full potential, yeah. there is a path, there's a program for you that millions of people have followed before you that has worked for them. Mm-hmm. It's worked for me. Mm-hmm. It's worked for Jamie. Mm-hmm. That if you just do the program, there's at the at the end of all of that there is a door that will open to you for a life that is potentially a whole lot more fulfilling than the one that you find yourself in right now oh yeah deeper you know? richer broader than you could maybe 
even imagine. I cannot imagine. I, 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 I do not think, well, yeah, I don't think I would have continued to live. I'm not sure if I would have grown to be age 47 if I had stayed in my old life, mm. in my old ways. Yeah. You know, I, I... Oh, for sure. I would not be... I, I'd be dead. Right. Like, yeah. the door opened for me, and I did the work, and I continued to do the work. And I, 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 if, I had, if I could go back to my, like, you know, 27-year-old self and describe the life I have, not, not, not necessarily the external things of my life, but the way that I feel in my life. Yeah. If I could go back to my 27-year-old self and describe the way I feel in my life right now, my 27-year-old self would not believe me. Yeah. I would not believe that story no. was possible. And You were habituated to like just a lower standard of living. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I was too. Um, I didn't necessarily even understand. I don't think anyone had ever explained to me the idea that you could just feel comfortable. Yeah. I just thought that I would feel uncomfortable in my skin Always, it's like mm. that was how I was born and, and mm. was how I would die, and that was just the deal. Mm. Doesn't mm-hmm. have to be the deal, turns out. Yeah, yeah. I'm so grateful. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful. Do you remember, um, uh, gosh, what year was it that we drove through Ohio and stopped at Dr. Bob's house? It's 2019. Was it the last year we were able to tour? I think so. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, we were on a different route that year for some reason. We had. Um, we had, we had not driven through that part of Ohio before. It's because we had a show in uh, Cincinnati, mm-hmm. which we, it was the first one. Right. Uh, and our dear friend, Chris Benedict, brought us down to Cincinnati because she was living there temporarily. That's right. She and usually lives friend, in Chicago. Our, our friend Kath was a co-host yep. of hers So they there. co-hosted us there. And so, beca- and then the next show we had, uh, we had some time off in Vermont and then we're doing stuff in New England. Right. And so we drove, we just had to get up to Highway 80, 90 to get right. up to my folks' house. And so the best way to do that is to cut north northeast through Ohio which takes you through Akron through Akron and in Akron is uh, a little museum in a house in a little neighborhood yeah Dr. Bob's house Dr. Bob's house where AA was formed this is the place where it all started and we got there um we got there we we knew what the museum was there we were hoping to you know see the house we didn't think we were going to actually get there during museum hours and we didn't we missed we missed the official hours of the museum but we got there in the after, late afternoon they, cl- we were, they have early hours they close at like four we got there at 4 15 or something yeah, like that so there, there were, were still people around yeah, yeah yeah but we were standing out front and a groundskeeper came and introduced himself and we told him who we were and that we were live, lived in washington state but we we're on the road and you know wanted to stop by and see dr bob's house and he's like well let me see if i can arrange for a tour for you. And he goes and gets the person who's like in charge of the museum, like yeah, the director. Yeah. yeah. And she comes in and gives us a private tour of the house, which was amazing. Because sober people, this is just how sober people act. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So we're walking through the house and there are some rooms that you can't walk into. One of them that's roped off is the dining room. And they had, you know, the dining room table sitting there and there was a typewriter on the dining room table. And as she was showing us the dining room, she's like, well, there's the table at which the big book was written. Yeah. And the typewriter on which it was written. Yeah. And you and I, I remember we were holding hands, standing at the little red velvet rope, looking at that table and looking at that typewriter. 
And I just remember being overwhelmed with emotion and like I welled up with tears in that moment. I'm going to do it again right now because I wouldn't be standing there holding your hand Mm. if not for the work that those people did on that typewriter at that table. Um, And I'm so grateful that they did that and Mm -hmm. that they passed it on and that the people they passed it on to passed it on and that eventually it found its way into my life and into your life Mm -hmm. and that I get to live a life now that 27-year-old me would not believe. Mm -mm. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's truly amazing. Yeah. And I am grateful. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. It's humbling. Yeah. It's improbable. Yeah. It's pretty fantastic. Yeah. So, does that sum up our mini-series on recovery and sobriety? I think if we haven't managed to do it by now, we're probably not going to. Okay. Well, thank you, Jamie, for your part in in all of this. This discussion has been so great every well, week. You and, too. You too, sugar. And uh, and thank you, people, for listening. Hmm. Um. As, you know, as always, if this has uh, sparked anything in you, if you have follow-up questions, if you need clarification if you have curiosity in any way about any of this stuff uh, please reach out to either of us I am Jamie that's J-A-M-I-E at MisfitStars.com mm-hmm. Shannon is Shannon S-H-A-N-N-O-N at MisfitStars.com mm-hmm. uh, and we would love to talk about this stuff with you you know it's been a rewarding part of doing this series on sobriety and recovery mm. that you know each week now you know one or both of us Uh, get, you know, one, two, three, sometimes four, at the most, maybe, messages just from people just wanting to talk about this a little bit more Mm -hmm. or just with a thought about it Mm -hmm. or an observation or whatever. It's great. I mean, that's that's why we're doing it, you know? It's helpful for us to explore on our own, you know? Uh, But it's also wonderful to invite more of it into our lives like this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So if that's you, please do reach out. We would embrace that. Yes, we would. Um, we are not going to be fully back next week. We're not going to be we're, back at all next well, week. Well, technically, we're gonna we're gonna give you a little something something for next week. Um, but it's gonna be tiny. It'll be short. But we're going on winter break, mm-hmm. and we don't even exactly have a date for which we're coming back. No, it'll yet. be in January Either. at some point. Yeah, that's it. So, um, so in the meantime, between now and then. Uh, thank you so much for listening and, and take really good care of yourselves over these next few weeks and be good to each other. Yeah, we love y'all. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.